All right, I want you to imagine a scenario for me. Can you do that? Sure. I want you to imagine that it's been a month since you recorded your last podcast episode. Only a month? And that you're very excited to watch these four movies in this series. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? It's the holidays. I'm going to have plenty of time to do it. <laughs> and then Christmas happens. And then you get a cough. And then you have to go get tested for COVID twice and test negative both times. But also your throat is starting to go. And then New Year's happens. And then your throat is like gone. It's just, it's walked up. It's left you. Your vocal cords are scattered on the pavement. And you have to sit and eat soup and drink tea and be pathetic. And go to your primary care doctor with your... Wow, I don't even have one of those. With your fancy new PPO insurance. Man. At the new job that you... That you're getting paid for, but also, but also, you have to call and figure out how to use that insurance because your insurance card for the year is buried. (laughs) And then, this is America. Everyone deals with this. And then you're like, "Well, I was originally only going to cover three of these movies. I've got all this spare time. Let's watch this fourth one." And then (laughs) you're still sick. Your voice doesn't come back for two whole weeks, and finally, you're ready to record. And it's been like three weeks since you've watched all these movies. And you remember them perfectly. Yeah, let's hope that that's what happens here. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch every movie in our library in alphabetical order, and this week we get to the O's! I think this is the first O movie we're doing, right? Oh, What comes after before O? N? Yes, N. Mm, what did we do before this? A movie that started with the letter N. It's been a, it's been a bit, mm. I would say... I could look at our podcast feed and nah. find out. I'm looking at our Let's podcast feed. Let's use our great memories. To find out. Surely we have good memories. Ye- We're not that old. Nope. We we aren't even 30 yet. Yet. Ouch. I mean, listen. It's coming. It's coming, but it's going to be fine. So what? We're recording this literally. Oh, you know why we're confused? Because we did the special episode last. Yeah. Which is a J. It is a J. And before that, the most confusing numbers. 1917 starts with an N. A uh, one. It starts, it with, starts a one. with an N. But, but, a one. But we're basing this on letters, one. not numbers. In alphabetical. I've never understood this. Listen. <laughs> it's been over a month since our. It's been two months since our last episode was released. As we're recording this. So. We know you've missed us. I know. So I hope you're ready to commit to stopping the podcast right here, going and watching four movies, and then coming back. I hope you've missed us that much. <laughs> because we did an entire series. Surely they've seen for the newest episode. one. Surely they've seen... Anne Hathaway. The, no, surely they've seen the first one, because no. it's one of the best movies ever nah, made. Probably not. Come on. It's the Ocean series. I would have never watched them if you hadn't made me watch them. Yeah, and you're very glad that I made you watch them, I'm sure. They're fine. Because they're friggin' fantastic. 
It's the Ocean series, the Soderbergh Ocean <laughs> movies, and then the the one Paul Feig. Who? Paul Feig. Is that who did Ocean's, the new one? Y- yes. Never heard of him. I am being told perhaps it wasn't Paul. F- Hold on. Hmm. Hold on. Why did I think it was Paul Feig? Ocean's eight. Two thousand. Gary Ross. You know what? Paul Feig made the all-female Ghostbusters, so that might be uh, that might be what's happening hmm. to me right now. This was produced by Steven Soderbergh. He it, edited it all on his iPhone. No. Not one of those movies. <laughs> and he didn't shoot it entirely with a fisheye lens. Uh, but Don Cheadle is in this one. Or three of them. Three of the four. Okay. Oceans 11 through 13. Okay, why is it? Oh, the number of people. It's the the number of people. Right? But also, also it's poking fun at the sequel convention too, isn't it? A little bit. Is it? So it's Ocean's Eleven because there are eleven people involved in the job in the first one, and then Ocean's it's it's fun because they have to commit to like adding another person every time. But you know which one stands out the most to me? Which one? Ocean's Twelve. Ocean's Twelve. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh, the French guy. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Whatever will, his name is, we will talk about. Even the, though he's been in many movies, the Night Fox is his name. His name is the Night Fox. Like his real name. You know, I always forget it because I just think of him as the Something Night Fox. Something French, probably. Is he actually French? Yeah. He, yeah, he he seems to be French. Wait, what? is he the creepy guy in Black Swan? I think he is actually. I'm pretty sure he is the creep the 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 head of the company. Yeah, oh, that one in, in Black Swan. Let's look at the cast. Let's look at Vincent Cassell. Well, that's pretty good. That's a good name. Vincent, Vincent Cassel, if you if you would. Born Vincent Crochon. Sorry, uh, what? Ventres. Are you reading it in French Wikipedia? Novembre. Mille You're reading his birth year. I'm trying to I'm trying to translate it into okay. French. Okay. Well, anyway. These movies are about casinos and art. And 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 middle aged men. I feel like it's a bit. It's okay, a bit men rude. from their thirties to their seventies. Some of them are in their twenties. Who? I'm pretty sure the younger Affleck, Khan, and Matt Damon were all in their twenties at the beginning of this. Really? I'm pretty sure. Oh, he was married to Monica Bellucci. Vincent Cassell was. Yeah, I didn't think the other people would. I. You, you, you I, never know. Is Matt Damon even married? I mean, he... And to who? He is to his spouse, Luciana Bozan Barroso. Mm. Sounds like an Italian. I don't know. He's 51. Who? Matt Damon is. Stop. So he would have been at the end of his 20s in the first one. Wait, what? What year? It was 2000, I'm pretty sure, the first one. No. Am I hurting you? Am I hurting you personally? That can't be real. Then how have you seen this movie? What do you mean, how have I seen the... Come on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. 2002. Okay, Ocean 12 came out in 2004. 50? Ocean's Eleven came out in 2001. Hmm. 
so he would have been he would have been like 29 when they were filming Ocean's Eleven. Basically. Is that hurting you to know that Matt Damon's 50? Doesn't sit well. Now, now Brad Pitt was born in 63, so he would have been solidly in his Dude, 30s. Brad Pitt is old. Yeah. He's aged well, though. Aged very well. So it's it's funny though because let me see let me see how old Casey Affleck would have been. That's what I'm wondering. Casey Affleck, who no let it be known, sucks. Casey Affleck sucks. He's a terrible dude. Okay, Casey Affleck would have been the youngest in the group then, because he was born in '75. He's five years younger than Matt Damon, unless Scott Kahn was born. Nope, Scott Kahn would be the youngest. Scott Kahn, son of noted. Godfather star Khan. James Conn, oh. son of Sonny, if you will. What? James Conn played Sonny in The Godfather. Okay, well, let's get back to the movie. They massacred my boy. Okay. So Look how the, they massacred my so boy. So the best part of the first one, though. What's the best part of the first one? Julia Roberts. I would argue that Julia Roberts is the second Julia best part Roberts of the Julia Roberts also makes the second one very funny. Oh, Julia Roberts is undeniably like the best part of the second one except for maybe the night Vincent Gassell but the best part of the first one I would argue is Andy Garcia as Terry Benedict I love Terry Benedict and I'm making the mic shake with my love for Terry Benedict he is okay there there's four movies to talk about there are four movies to talk about they are chock full of great characters and great actors. Freaking Carl Reiner is there. Mel Brooks' original writing partner, Carl, Carl Reiner, playing Saul, who is perhaps the most relatable character in some ways. Saul being the old guy who, who was living in See, Florida. here's the problem. What's the problem? Because there's 11 of them. I only remember like five. I'll bet you I can name all 11 right now. All right, go. From the first movie. Okay. Danny. Rusty, Linus, that's Clooney, Pitt, and Damon. Saul, Reuben, the money guy. Yen, aka Amazing. Basher, the, the Malloy twins. So that's eight. Okay, so I need Basher three more. sounds made up. Who is that? Don Cheadle, doing the, doing the terrible Cockney accent. Oh, that, yeah, bec- yeah, yeah. that becomes a bit in itself. Okay, you got three okay. more? Okay, I can do this. I can mm-hmm. do this. I can do this. Yeah? Bernie Mac. Oh, gosh. Rest in peace. Um, <coughs> Two more. Two more. Yeah. I, no, I, I, I'm trying to remember. The, the electronics guy. Eddie, I think his name is. The electronics guy. Yeah. No, well, he's, he's the nervous guy who's, like, always sweating and, like, doesn't want people to touch his stuff. Um. And then there is... One more. Supposedly. There is one more. It's Tess. <laughs> it's not Tess. See? No, sh- There's one more. There is one more in the original 11 yeah, of Ocean's, Ocean's 11. It's not Ocean's 10. It's not Ocean's... Okay. Danny Rusty <laughs> Linus. Bernie Mac. The Malloy Twins. Basher. Reuben. Saul. The amazing, yeah, I must have miscounted the first time. 
The Amazing Yen and the Electronics Guy. I, mu- I missed one. I must have missed one when I counted it the first time. Mm, yeah. Sus. Clooney, Pitt, Damon, Mac, Amazing Yen, Reiner, Ruben, Malloy Twins, Basher, Electronics Guy. Yeah, that's 11. You said Electronics Guy twice that time. I didn't say Electronics Guy twice yes, that you time. you did. I swear I didn't. Pretty sure. Okay. It doesn't matter. Okay, that's I will 11. type them out. No, it's fine. I will. I am opening a this Google can't Doc. Be very entertaining. <laughs> no, not a Google form, a Google Doc. <laughs> wow. Okay, but you have to say them as you type them. Okay. Okay. This this is happening in real time. It's being very so slow. Exci- really? But it's happening. <laughs> Why don't you just pull up Oh, you don't have Word on your computer. Alright. Clooney, Pitt, Damon, Ruben, Saul, Basher, Bernie Mac, Twin One. Twin two. Yen. Electronics. That's 11. That is 11. How can you read that? That is so tiny. Holy crap. I don't know why I have it that zoomed out. Hold on. That's better. Okay. So that's all 11. Ocean's 12 includes Tess. Ocean's 13 doesn't include Tess, but does include Eddie Izzard and Linus's dad. And that's the 13th. Yeah, Eddie Izzard was the best part <coughs> of the third one. Eddie Izzard was fine in the third one. They didn't give him much to do. He had like well, one set. He had like one piece. He was very entertaining. I think the best part of the third one was the subplot where the Malloy twins uh, unionize a factory in Mexico. <laughs> and then burn it down. And also the fact that Pacino was there. You know, Pacino's in the third one, and that's pretty fun. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about the Oceans movies. Yeah, we are talking about them. Yeah, we, we talked about the cast. Tess is in. Tess is great. Catherine Zeta Jones is fantastic in the second one. Is the Interpol agent who Rusty had an affair with? Yeah, she's fun. I think she's fun, especially when the reveal is, oh, she's the son of the greatest thief who has lived, except for maybe Danny. Well, no, the per the person that everyone thinks of as the greatest thief. Yeah. She's the daughter of. I think I should said she's the son of. Hi. No, I don't know. I don't know. Listen. That was like a minute ago. Can't remember that far back. There, I think there are core elements in every Oceans movie that we have to discuss, though. I think we need to discuss what makes an Oceans movie an Oceans movie. I think that's... I already said what makes an Oceans movie an Oceans movie. What does make it an Oceans movie? Art? Casinos. Done. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's not exactly it. Nah. There is art... Thievery. In all of them. Art. There's no casinos in the second one. True. There is art in all of them because art's, art's how they hook Tess in. Because <laughs> she's working at the museum at the casino. So, like, that's that has something to do with it. But I think, first of all, these are all great thieves and they all have lives outside of the Oceans movies. Which I think is something that's very well executed. They all have ways of getting income outside of the jobs that are happening in the Oceans movies. In fact, several of them we see either in retirement or, like, mid-job when they get recruited, you know? Hmm. Like, think about 
Um, when they grab Basher in the first movie, he's just uh, he's just failed to uh, blow a bank vault prop, or someone has forgotten to detrigger the silent alarm and blow the ba- so that he hasn't blown the bank vault. And then Rusty comes in and picks him up as his handler, quote unquote, as the uh, as like a ATF agent. Uh huh. Okay, so they all have these. So what makes the jobs in the Ocean's movies unique? A, their scale, of course. They're big jobs. They're huge jobs. They take that many people. B, they're never just jobs. They may be presented at first as just a job, as in the first Oceans movie, but there's always a personal motivation that force, that makes them pull off the jobs at this scale. Well, yeah, that's classic heist. But, <clears throat> but you see... It's not always that. A lot of times it's just get the money. But this is always get the money and. You know? So like the first one, it's to get Tess back. Mm -hmm. The entire point of the job. As much as Danny says it's about getting the millions for everybody. It's to get Tess back. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. And it's great. Because the entire point is specifically to humiliate Benedict. Who's the owner of the casino. Who is definitely mob connected. And who is just fantastic. He seems like, like an evil Michael Scott, like, but like also like smarter. <sighs> uh, Maybe. Are you just saying that his face looks kind of like Steve Carell's? Yeah. Do you want to know what I found? <laughs> what did you find? So when I looked up Andy Garcia, it was like what people normally Google about them now comes up underneath. Yeah, so Mama Mia too. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, is it Tommy Bahama? Um, the question was. Was Andy Garcia born with a conjoined twin? And the answer is yes, but it was like like a tumor kind of situation. Like So we're talking a malignant situation here. Yeah, so he's actually a superhero. Yeah. Villain. Superhero Su- villain. Well, okay. The thing to remember is that Gabriel was the villain, but now that she has excise the gabriel personality she has powers so it's her superhero origin story and his supervillain downfall story that's the that's the thing you gotta know about malignant is that it's a buck wild and fantastic movie that you should watch Mm. maybe i wouldn't recommend it for everyone i liked it yeah we know I liked it a lot. It was insane. <laughs> anyway, that's what I Googled or found on Google. And that really shouldn't be like at the top. You'd think it would be something about him being in Barb and Stargo to Vista Del Mar. You would, you would think it'd be anything but that. Yeah, he played Fernando in Mamma yeah, Mia 2, a movie I haven't seen. It's, but I know that he sings Mr. Fernando. Benedict in Ocean's Eleven? Who's Andy Garcia's wife? What race is Andy Garcia? And did Andy Garcia have a conjoined twin? You know, the normal questions. I love Andy Garcia. I think he's great in this. I liked him a lot in uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which is a movie that only I and, like... And no one else. The Blank Check guys liked. I and the Blank Check guys liked. (laughs) Not surprising. (laughs) They have opinions. I think if you took the time to watch it and weren't asleep, Mm. you might enjoy it. I don't know. Cara Delevingne is good in that movie. We... Maybe like her. What happened now? I don't know. 
Just the whole. The, I mean, the, the entire thing. her entire thing is a lot, you know. Yeah. It's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But we maybe like her. I mean, like, how many girlfriends is she going to like? How many celebrity girlfriends? Yes. Well, sh- considering that she is a celebrity, so many. I don't know the the best relationships are like celebrity minor celebrity. You know what I mean? Like they have money and like they get around, but like they're not like big celeb. You can't pair like two big celebrities. I mean, I have heard a thank for Los Angeles. You know what? I have Cara Delevingne to thank for Los Angeles. Yeah. Possibly like one of I the try best to write you a love song, but it comes out all sick. That's hard. That's hard. Oh, we're twenty minutes in. We're twenty wow. minutes in. We're almost done. <laughs> No, we're no. not. Okay. There's so much to talk about. What else do you want to say about Ocean? It has to be personal. There is always a setback that turns into an asset. Like there always there's always like something that like makes it look like things are gonna get worse, but that magically turns into something that's going to be better. There is in the first gathering of the team, always someone who is retired but is brought out of retirement by the sheer amount of money that is going to be made. Well, yeah. Yes. That that one is based on solely two movies, but and there seems to be almost always like a Deus ex machina mo- moment. A moment where something looks like it's gone very badly. And in fact, this was planned for the entire time. And uh, the person who you think was taking them into custody is actually a person who they've hired and bought off in advance. Mm-hmm. You've got that with the uh, with Bruiser in the first one. The guy the guy who's supposed to be beating Danny up in the casino. Yeah. You've got that with Linus's parents in the next yeah. two. <laughs> that is the funniest. <laughs> and then, in a way, you have that with Anne Hathaway in Ocean's 8 when she yeah. walks in. It's like, y'all are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's... I want to rate all the Oceans movies... What? On a scale of how well they conform to Oceans 11, which is the blueprint. Oceans 11 is the blueprint. It is the... We didn't watch the original. Not the original. Not the original. Oh. <laughs> I was very sick and tired, and it wasn't very good. We wanted to make it happen. But uh I was just most entertained when Dean Martin and uh Sammy Davis Jr. were singing and they stopped doing that and I didn't care about it anymore and everyone was just being misogynistic. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting through it one day because it was definitely interesting. What like, if we just watched the you Sammy Davis Jr. separate Dav- it from what we now know as the Oceans? What movies? if we just watched the Sammy Davis Jr. EO eleven performance on loop? Because that was fantastic. That was incredible. I loved it. And I would like more of it. No singers in this one. No. Okay. Oh, and also let's not forget real life celebrities playing themselves. That's an important part of all <laughs> all four of them. Well. <laughs> Notably executed very well in the first one when we're, when we're introduced to Rusty. The TV stars playing poker. It's just... Well, the best part is that Tess has to 
pretend like she's not Julia. Like, oh, she yes! pretends to be Julia Roberts, but they're like, no, you're not really Julia Roberts. It's like, don't you think she looks like Julia? And that's that's why Ocean's 12, I think, is the perfect postmodern Baroque masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think, because it's just putting so many little embellishments on the I think that one leans in the thing. most. That one is like, yes, we know that what we're doing is completely ridiculous. And 13 tries to be like, we're going to go back to the roots a little. And it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah, work because I of that. Yeah, I honestly it, don't remember a lot of that. It takes 13. away some of the fun parts. I, I think the best part of 13 is A, the strike plot line at the Mexican factory yes! that's making the dice. That's hilarious. B, Brad Pitt putting on the makeup and, and wig and like mustache and playing the uh, seismologist. And C, the fact that Al Pacino is there. Hmm. Underused, but there. I like, and the problem is, it's like, Ruben has like a panic slash heart attack and it is in recovery the entire time. And it's pretty depressing just seeing him in bed, you know? Ruben, who's like the sarcastic and fun one, like this, who's like the old money Vegas guy. It's wonderful. And you lose that energy in the last one. And it's sad. It's not fun. Aww. Not fun at all. Didn't even mention Topher Grace showing up in the first and the second ones as one of the TV stars that Brad Pitt is teaching to play poker, which leads to that great bit where Clooney sits at the table and is like, isn't that hard transitioning from TV to movies? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Bruce Willis in the second one as Bruce Willis as the friend of Julia Roberts specifically. Oh my gosh. And it leads to that very great joke where it's like, I knew it wasn't her. Gosh. And then Vincent Cassell being like, and you don't look like her. Not even a little bit. Maybe in the eyes, but the nose, you lose. <laughs> See, I feel like that kind of humor is kind of transferred to, a, like, Ocean's 8 kind of, like, tried to dig into that a lot. And it didn't work. What? It didn't. What do you mean? I think... Okay, they had, like, a few celebrity cameos, but they weren't actually, like, leaning into any jokes. I mean, there was the... I mean, there's the bit where Anna Wintour, instead of approving the place settings, is watching tennis and not caring, which we all know isn't (laughs) true. We all know that's not true. But I like how they had the fake celebrity, too. Like, they had... Oh, yeah, like, Dakota Fanning and Hathaway were playing, like, versions of themselves. And I did like, um... I did like Heidi Klum... Speaking German with Sandra Bullock on the red carpet. That was very good. Okay. The the second one... The second one is directly a sequel. I, I mean, they're obviously sequels. They're, but, but the second one picks up, like, right where the first one left off in a lot of ways. It's been, like, a year or two. Yeah. I think it came out, like, three years after. Probably. But it picks up directly threads that the first one laid down with uh, Benedict's henchmen following them. As they left the prison. And it's Benedict coming back and being like, payments due, or you're all dead, and then so is your entire family. And it's just so it's it's a job to settle a score, but then you find out that they were put on this job by someone who is trying to settle a score with them. <laughs> so it's it again, it's never just a job. Mm-hmm. It's never just a job. And that competition gives rise to a fantastic breakdancing laser field sequence. Oh my god! With Vincent Cassell, which is amazing. 
And then you find out that even though they weren't able to steal the egg, they had already pre-stolen the egg and this was all a distraction. You see, which is the, oh, we look, looks like this is a setback. Actually, we planned for this the entire time. Now, the third one is when the earthquake simulator doesn't quite work and then they make it work even better. Because they're using the drill that dig that dug the tunnel to dig directly into the foundation to make the building shake. That is that's so ridiculous. And then it looks like and then when it looks like the Night Fox has just stolen the score off of them, and then they were like, actually we we knew that the Night Fox was following us the whole time, and we used it to get off with even more money and rip off Benedict too. So it's it's a whole thing. I did love all the little glimpses of the Night Fox like in disguise in the background that we got throughout that movie though. Wow, you remember this in I really, vivid detail. I like Vincent Cassell. I like Vincent Cassell a lot. I liked him in Westworld Season 3. I'm one of the few people, you and me, were some of the few people who liked Westworld or Season 3. Or even watched Westworld Season 3. <laughs> you like Lisa Joy. We watched... Uh, I love Lisa Joy. You watched Reminiscence for Lisa Joy. <laughs> a movie that you don't even remember watching. Nope. Because much, much like... <laughs> Much like what happens in that movie, it's pretty forgettable. Oof. Mm. Rebecca Ferguson was good in it. I don't care. We still stand Lisa Joy. <laughs> Ocean's 8 is more than just a job for Sandra Bullock. She pitches it as just a job to Kate Blanchett. But it- <laughs> Who has the best bangs. <laughs> she does have great bangs in that movie. She pitches it as just a job. But in fact, it is her getting revenge on her ex <laughs> who got her into prison. The other thing about Ocean's 8 is it's like ambiguously gay the whole time. Mm. Oh, it's very unclear as to whether it's it's very like heavily implied that Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett are in an on again, off again relationship. Or really? just a, you don't get that from the very no. start. I, mean, I just thought they were like super best friends. They're... Girls be like that. Some girls be like that, but they're they are very very affectionate in a way. And there's the so they their partnership is very clearly meant to mirror Danny and Rusty's, right? Right. Yeah. Like there's that great scene in the first movie where Danny's like, "I think that's enough. Do you think we need one more? You think we need one more? I'm gonna get one more." And Rusty's just like. Laying on the bar, his his head like in his elbow, staring off into the distance. And they have that entire conversation without actually even saying anything. And then there's the, well, what if we know that's not, you're right. Where they don't finish each other's sentences, uh, yeah. but they still know exactly what's going on. Now there's Ocean's 8. I think they do a good job with the setup of the job. And then the implications of what they're going to do without actually completely laying out. And then we watch them do it. I think they do a fun bit with that. Though I think maybe they give it to us a little too easily sometimes. I don't love the jewelry scanning scene. What? There's parts of it that I like. But I don't love it as being like, we have to do this or we're not going to be able to pull off the rest of the job. I like the job to be the job, you know? Hmm. I don't know. I think they made it more fun and more palatable. Though, I guess now that you bring it up, they kind of did that when the electronics guy broke into the server and set it up. To... Okay, okay. Yeah, I've argued myself out of this point. 
You that raised, was easy. You raised the point. I don't think I they, raised any points. They kind of do that in every single one now that you, you did bring oh. it up. You are correct. Yes. See, I feel like we just had one of those conversations. I also <laughs> have been given permission to reveal something about what happened the first time we watched Ocean's 8. You have? Yes, I have. Wow. I have. We saw this with my co-host on Them's the Facts, Chris, and he... Are you sure you gave me permission for this? Yeah, no, he specifically, he asked me, have you recorded the episode yet? And I said, no, and he said, I give you permission. Mm. Those were his specific words. Well, he won't ever listen to this to object, so go ahead. (laughs) Bethany and I were, uh, Bethany and I were there, Chris was on one side of Bethany, I was on the other side of Bethany... Every time Anne Hathaway was on screen, and specifically in the scene where she was trying on the necklace, there was just like a sharp intake of breath on either side of Bethany. It was a lot. The whole time. It was just... (sighs) Me and Chris dealing with our lifelong... It was very ridiculous. ...crushes on Anne Hathaway. Listen, if you haven't had a crush on Anne Hathaway since you saw The Princess Bride, I just don't know what to do with you. The Princess Bride... I meant the Princess Diaries, and you know that I meant the Princess Diaries. <laughs> Listen, it has been a month since I've recorded a pod, Multiple months since I've recorded a <laughs> podcast. I'm getting back into my groove. I'm working on it. I can't believe you said the words, the Princess Diaries. Now all I can see is a keyboard with M&M's. Yeah. And your, your crush and has Rudy's been on Robert, Robert Schwartzman, specifically. <laughs> It's a it's a movie that launched. I met him in real life. A million crushes. <laughs> real life. I need to meet Anne Hathaway in real life. I don't know how we're gonna pull off that one. I, I don't know. I don't think she's gonna play a small venue in Atlanta and then randomly come out after the concert. But maybe she'll like film something in Atlanta and hang out with people. I don't know. Ooh. Maybe we'll be at like a restaurant that she happens to go to. Ooh, you know that's actually that's feasible. Not too unlikely. If we go to the Claremont, we'll run into celebrities eventually. Hmm. Not Anne Hathaway. You don't know that. There's one There's one celebrity that goes there all the time. John Hamm. Besides John Hamm, there's like some other middle-aged man. Probably a lot of them. Probably. I mean, are you thinking of Marcus Mumford getting kicked out of the Claremont? <laughs> no. Because he tried to film the crowd with his phone when they were playing? <laughs> no cameras in the Claremont. It is not allowed. Noted. Not allowed. Not happening. Never. <laughs> we need to go to the Claremont and hang out with John Hamm. He was very good in that Soderbergh movie. Yeah, we'll have to check his filming schedule, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder if Soderbergh's ever been to the Claremont. I don't think he's filmed. No. Well, no, he not. filmed Logan Lucky here. Yeah, but I don't he know. He filmed Logan Lucky John here. John Hamm wasn't on Logan Lucky. But that's that's why we saw uh, Daniel Craig and Adam Driver at the. Uh, at the- the killers set at Music Midtown. That was wonderful. Because they were in the process of filming the best movie, Logan Lucky. They played the Bond theme and everything. They did play the Bond theme and everything. It was really cool. You know, all this talk about restaurants and festivals make me kind of hungry. Why don't we go over to the concession stand? Okay. Hey, Alex. You love Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Want to listen to a new Harry Potter podcast? No. Oh. 
But Sorted is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Cool. What does that mean? It means we're going to sort things. Ash Ketchum's a Slytherin. Shrek's a Gryffindor. Your dog is a Hufflepuff. And all Ravenclaws are robots. Come check out Sorted, not a Harry Potter podcast. On the Pocket Podcast Network. All right. Ocean's 8 has two cameos from the original Ocean's movies. Two of them. We got Amazing Yen and we got Ruben. And frankly, I think it's kind of rude of them. <laughs> to because not have Rusty? To not have Danny. And Danny. Specific- First of all, they supposedly killed off Danny, but they keep making it very yeah. ambiguous as to whether or not he's dead. That part was weird. Like, <laughs> did we need to do that? <laughs> I don't think that we did. Like, I think it's I very... I think we could have had this separate story without killing Danny. Yes! It's so mean. It's like, oh, we have to push him off of the spotlight to make sure that they don't want him to come into the like, movie. Come on. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? It made me sad. There's also, like, this entire thing where it's, like, conscious that it's a all-female feminist reboot, but it's like, yeah, we're doing this on purpose in a way that felt kind of, like, self-aware enough to be jokey about it but not jokey in a fun way you know Mm. like the speech where she's like somewhere out there there's a little girl who wants to be a criminal and we're doing this for her it's like that is too much it's not very well executed no i don't know yeah the writing was a little lax but and the score isn't dare i it's not cool enough we don't get a Claire de Lune moment, you know? Oh my god! It's the jazz isn't chill enough. It's very, the horns are too loud. It's it's too bouncy. It's like too aware that it's a comedy. The first three Oceans movies are aware that it's a com- that they're comedies, but the funniness comes from the te- the the tension of everyone trying to be so cool, and then failing at it. Yeah, the problem is everyone in this movie was already cool. Well, that's the thing. I don't think the movie's trying hard enough to be cool. Or maybe it tried too hard to be cool because the Soderbergh movies were like effortlessly cool. Like everything about it was cool. It was the it was the people in them who were failing to be cool. I don't know. It's just... It's like it learned some of the wrong lessons about how to be an Ocean's movie. Our dog can hear me getting stressed. <laughs> Athena can hear me getting stressed about Ocean's 8 and has come to be a therapy dog and be petted for us. She never comes over while we were recording. She sometimes never. She sometimes comes over while we're recording. And she can hear how stressed I am about it. And that's the thing. All three of the Ocean's movies... When the movies end, everyone just goes off and does their own thing. And we don't have to see what the ever after is because we know that we've they've gotten the money. The little bit that we see is like we see Dan, Danny being pursued and we know that he's back together with Tess. But we don't see what everyone's doing with the money. And I don't like the gold on the ceiling sequence. I don't like it. Because it's like it's trying to replace the Claire de Lune sequence. Gold on the ceiling, they're all in the subway car and then it flashes forward to what they're doing with the money. 
And I think that sucks. Yeah, but when Dan Auerbach tells you to clap, you clap. Don't throw my own words from a concert at which I was inebriated and had just seen Florida Toloache for the first time live. I was in a compromised emotional state back at me. I'm in a compromised emotional state every concert I go to. That's just what happens. Yeah. I think it's probably about time to rate these puppies. Wait, how? how? I don't think we can rate them. I think. I think. (gasps) What are we going to do? We have to rank them. Oh. Yes. I think we have to rank them. (laughs) Let's go from least favorite to best. From worst to best. From least favorite to most favorite. And I think we both know which one's going to be our bottom for both of us. The third Ocean's movie. Yeah. Number four, Ocean's 13. I think it was an attempt at a return to form in the first movie that didn't work. And that's, that's okay. That's fine. It's... The thing is, even though we're ranking them low... I still would probably rate that like a 2.5 at least to three, at least. Yeah. No, it's it a passable. It's a, it's a good movie. Passable time. Okay. What's your number four? Also Ocean's 13? Yeah. Well, you, you go through yours and then I'll do mine. No, we're doing it. We're doing our rankings together. Okay. Doing our rankings together. Give me your number three. Um, what do we have? The first Ocean's movie. Are you crazy? <laughs> Who are you? Are you? I know what yours is going to be. Yeah, it's Ocean's 8. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's better than Ocean's 13 in some ways, but like only a little bit, maybe. Because it's, it's at least telling like a kind of new story, even if it doesn't pull it off entirely. But I think they suffer from the same problems, which they're both nostalgic for Ocean's 11 specifically, and are trying to imitate it in ways that don't always work. That's a good. That's a good. Okay, reason. number two. I'll, I'll give you mine first. Okay. And this is a very tough decision. Oh that I'm make man! Here. This is this is an insane thing. Man, a lot of people might judge me for what I'm about to say. And it was barely edged out. I love these movies so much. I guess I should just say what my number one is, because then you can figure out the number two from what's left. My number one movie in the Ocean's Eleven series is Ocean's Twelve. Man. I said it. I said it. I love that film. It's so funny. It joins the (laughs) rarity um, of the second movie being like a really good like companion. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if I would even say that it's better. I would say that at this point in my life, Sometimes I enjoy watching it more than the first. Because you wouldn't have enjoyed so... it without the first. Exactly. And like, maybe, you know what? I'll watch Ocean's Eleven more often for like comfort purposes. But like when I want a movie that's going to like surprise me and entertain me a little bit more, I, yeah. I lean towards 12. Yeah. I lean towards 12. So 1, 2, 3, 4 is 12, 11, 8, 13. That's, that's my ranking. That's a chaotic set of numbers. Give me your... Number two and number one. Okay. See, this is hard because I don't know if I'm supposed to judge it off of like 
how I would enjoy right now or like how I perceive them watching the movies? How you perceive them watching the movies, I think, is maybe. Okay, then eight is first. Eight's first. And then second is two. Uh, 12 is two. Explain. But, okay, Explain but now, like, if, if, like, just thinking through it, I would probably put 12 above eight. Really? Just from, like, the, like, like, I don't know. Having watched the first, like the like the hype of the like oceans in general, and then just like what the actors that are in it, like uh-huh. that one's just really fun. But also watching eight for the first time, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised because I thought I was going to be like not as entertained, but I should have known because the cast. Yeah, it's a I great mean, cast. Like none of the other casts are that like um. Star studded? Are you mm, young? young? Oh, okay, young, <laughs> young, yeah. yeah. Well, because you've got Mindy Kaling, you've got Rihanna, who's Rihanna. great. Yes, Aquafina, yeah. who is fine. <laughs> I think I think Aquafina's had an interesting time. Aquafina choices were made. We can yeah. discuss whether it's a Queen's accent or something else. Choices have been made that need to be. Maybe atoned for Has in some cases. Has it gotten worse? So that's fine. So, yeah. I think that I think that she is an interesting performer for sure. Like I Yes. The Farewell. Oh man. Devastating. Devastating film. That was art. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I don't know what's next. Oh wait, 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 wait. I'm just gonna go ahead and give the series as a whole a four. Oh, you're ranking the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. As as the whole thing, a four with 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 scores ranging from like three to five, I would say. And yes, I am giving the first yeah, the first oceans movie I would rank like a five. You just said we're not ranking. Firing all rate. I don't care. You literally just said that. <laughs> I didn't even say it. <laughs> as I ranked them, I thought of the ratings. I thought of them. Do you wanna know what we're watching next or not? Sure. Better not be any numbers bullshit. <laughs> no numbers bullshit. We are like solidly in the back half of our library right now. Which is... Well, I haven't story. ordered Black Swan yet. <laughs> which is going to go in the S's, well, obviously. We've got a Guillermo del Toro doubleheader coming up. Because we kicked our way through the entire O section in one episode. <laughs> Because the entire O section oh. is oceans. <laughs> Let Wait, me... are we are we really on to P? We are really about to go on to P. Oh man! And there are two Guillermo del Toro movies that two? start that start with P. What other than Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah, there are a lot of listeners. The uh, people there are people who listen specifically to this show. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Daniel. Who I know are both going to be very excited about our next film. Is it Paddington? No. As excited as I think you may be unexcited about it. Oh no. Our next movie is Guillermo del Toro's Mecha vs. Kaiju epic, Pacific Rim. It's been a while. It's it has been, been a, while. a while. I think... I can't wait to tear it apart. I... It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. Sarah loves that movie. Sarah loves this, Loves that movie so much. I mean, people love all kinds of movies. I actually don't think you're gonna tear it apart as much. I don't know. My I, theory... I don't My know. theory is now that you've gotten like more into like action movies and like... Mm. And Buckwild sci-fi. Like, 
Okay, I'm just going to say. Yeah, the book was. You loved Matrix Resurrections. You absolutely loved it. Well, first of all. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. But like you like Idris Elba. And half of it was set in a coffee shop. (laughs) You like Idris Elba though. You like Idris Elba. Yeah, everyone does. And we both have complicated but generally positive feelings about Charlie Hunnam. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a pull. Hopefully we're gonna watch this one. Oof. We're gonna watch this one soon. Huh. I want it to be less than two months before we put out our next episode. And I really enjoy this movie, so I'm hoping we can knock it out soon. And then right after that, it's going to be Pan's Labyrinth, which will gut me. Maybe literally. Maybe literally. Until next time, we're part of the Pocket Podcast Network. Other shows on the network include... No Dice. Poker Makers. Thumbs the Facts. Steampunks. That's shows that you can check out. Shows. On this network. Green Mountain Mysteries is on a hiatus right now, so it's like a really great time to go back and back listen to their episodes. Note to self. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's just lots of stuff that you can check out. Go to pocketpodcastnetwork.com to find out. Where all podcasts are sold. Yeah, you can find us where all podcasts are sold. That yeah. is correct. Apple, Spotify, nowhere else. And no one else listens to them anywhere else. Exactly. Our theme music is by... The Organ Machines. Who uh, have a single out, or had a single out okay. last year. Yeah, we got it. Listen listen to a fire. It's a great song. Wow. It's a great song. Who whenever, You would think they're paying us for this. They are not. I like it. I liked it a lot. It made my top 25 singles of the year list. Okay. And if you want to find out what those are, then just DM me because if you're listening to this <laughs> and want to see some of my music crit. It's in John's top music on Spotify. <laughs> Literally John's top 25 singles of 2021 <laughs> and John's top 15 albums of 2021. <laughs> Go check it out. Listen to good music all the time. Until next time, this has been Home Viewing. I'm John. (laughs) Don't buy any more DVDs. This is never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands. Saying it, I never saw the one. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.